Well, hey, everybody. How you doing? Yeah. Hey, I am excited to be here. Like Pastor Mark said, my name is Mike and excited to hang out with you guys. I'm from South Tampa and uh, the campus. Yeah. And uh, love what God's doing there and across all of our campuses and excited to be here and hang out with you guys. And I realized something this morning because you guys, we're, we're in the third week of a series that we're calling Adulting. And really we're leaning in and going, okay, how do we continue to be adults? As we're transitioning into that zone, how do we do that? And I realized this morning, I told Pastor Mark this this morning, I realized as I was getting ready to talk that when you do a series like this and you're going to talk to people in their 20s, that you need to at times bring in an old guy or an old woman to come and share. And I realized this morning, wait a minute, I think I'm the old guy. <laughs> like I, I'm 42, but here's a dangerous question. Does any, is anyone's parent 42 or younger? Anybody? Like, uh-huh, Amy Hafner, look around. That's scary, isn't it, right? Uh-huh, I know. I'm like, how is it possible that I could be your parents' age? But I am. And so I'm excited about sharing in the series because we're calling it adulting. But honestly, for me, I, I feel like that when I was in my 20s, when I was in your guys' age, I had to learn how to be an adult. Because for me, I didn't grow up in this like super Christian, well-balanced home uh, at all. Like my parents, I remember uh, a story where my mom was chasing my stepdad down the street barefoot because they got into a fight and then we called the cops, okay? When I became an adult, your age, I thought, you know, I'm not sure that's the kind of marriage that I want. Like anybody else like have a parent like that? You're like, oh, I don't really know. And so when I got in my 20s, I realized, hey, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, my, my parents were divorced. I had an alcoholic stepdad growing up. Like I didn't have a lot of those things, but I did what some of you do. If you grew up in a rocky household, you thought to yourself, I'm never going to be like that. And I'm going to have a better marriage. But for a lot of us, we don't know how because you didn't see it. And so for me, I realized, hey, if I'm actually going to have a great marriage, because I never saw how it was done, if I'm actually going to be an engaged parent, and I never really saw that as well, like if I'm going to be, and then I became a Christian, if I'm going to be a, like an engaged, passionate Christ follower or pastor, because the church that I got saved in, and I don't know if you guys are like old enough to know this, the church I got saved in, they had like chairs up on the stage, and this is where the pastor sat during the service. So think about this. The pastors would sit up here looking at the speaker, and I'm so glad we don't do this anymore. You know why? Because I would clown around the whole time, and I'd never be able to keep a straight face. Like, it'd be impossible. But I remember thinking, man, that's not kind of the kind of pastor I want to be. That's not the kind of uh, father I want to be, husband I want to be. And so for me, I just started finding people that were ahead of me in my life, that were adulting well, and I just started asking them questions. And anytime I would get a chance, I would ask them a question. And I want to tell you the best question that I learned to ask people that were ahead of me doing what I wanted to do later in a stage of life. The best question was, if you could shout back to yourself, at my age, what would you say? If you could shout back to yourself at the age that I am right now about parenting, about marriage, about living out your life... What would you say to yourself? And the reason why this question works so well is because I wasn't asking them to give me advice. I was asking them to give themselves advice. And it was amazing. I remember I was in Walmart one time and I got in line behind this guy and he'd been married 50 years. And he talked about his marriage like he just was still so in love with his wife. And for me, that was a trigger. I'm like, man, 
I want to talk about my wife that way. In fact, my goal still today is that 10 years from now and 15 years from now and 20 years, that we don't just love each other, we like each other. Like I hope, here's my goal, I want to tell you my goal. I have a 14-year-old son and I have a 12-year-old son. My goal is that we throw a party when they leave and then we throw a party because they've left because we're so happy to be together. Like I want to be so glad that we're together. Like I want to be best friends. So I asked them, I said, okay, you're married 50 years. If you could shout back to yourself at my age and I was in my 20s, what would you say? And he said this, and I remember it. He said, most people think marriage is 50-50, if you actually believe that it's 90-10, that it's 90% on you and only 10% on them, you're gonna have a better marriage. Because if you're worried about them carrying their weight and doing their half, if you can actually only hold them accountable for 10%, your marriage will be better. And it just stuck with me. And I'm like, man, like, like seriously, you should write that down. Like that's just good advice overall. And so for me, I've gone through my life asking that question. If you could shout back to yourself at my age, what would you say? So when Pastor Mark said, hey, we're doing a series on adulting, can you come and talk? What I did was I sat down and I asked that question. If I could shout back to myself at your age, what would I say? What would I say to myself in my 20s? What would I say to myself at 22 or 20 or 28 or 29? And I came up with six things. Now, I want to be honest with you. I'm approaching this like we're sitting down for coffee at Starbucks, having a conversation about this. Like, so for me, they're not super spiritual. It's not like, I would say, be with the Lord and blah, blah, blah. Like, like it's not that. Like, it's legit. We sat down at Starbucks and you said, hey, what would you say to yourself at my age? I'm going to tell you six things that I came down, and there's probably a hundred things, but I'm going to tell you the first six things that came to my mind when I was writing this message and thinking about this. Sound good? Okay, so here's what I want you to do. As you're taking notes, not all six are going to stick with you, but there's going to be one, maybe two. When that comes up, I want you to pay attention. I want you to write that down, pay attention, all right? So we're going to jump into it. Before we do that, come on, let's pray real quick. Father, help us to hear you speak to us and let our ears and our hearts be open to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, the first thing, if I could shout back to myself at your age, the first thing I would say is, don't live a when I, then I life. Don't live a when I, then I life. And the reason why I would say that is because when I was your age, I lived in this state of when I blank, then I blank. When I get married, then I will. When I get the job, then I will. When I finish school, then I will. Okay, I actually wrote a few of these down. When I get pulled over, then I will drive slower, right? Anybody else? When I get to the new year or maybe get to Monday, then I'll start working out. When I meet the right girl, then I'll treat girls right. Like, what, like I may treat them bad right now, but when I meet the right one, I'm not going to treat her wrong. Like, it'll change. Uh, when I get a better job, then I'll start tithing or start saving or whatever you want to say. When I get married... Then I'll stop looking at porn. When I get out of college, then I'll stop partying. When I meet a good guy, then I'll stop going to the club to find that good guy, (laughs) even though I won't find the good guy in the club, and instead go home with losers from the club, even though I shouldn't be wasting my time with anyone who doesn't understand how valuable I am. Okay? 
And what happens is we think, when I blank, then I'll blank. And here's what the reason why we say this. And it's almost like, hey, I'm just going to put the car of life in neutral, and I'm just going to stay right here, and I'm going to wait for that person or that job or that thing or that deal, and I'm just going to wait until that happens. And when that happens, then I will get my life right, and then I'll begin moving in the right direction. But until then, I'm going to stay where I am and just wait for that to happen. But here's the problem. When you actually decide that you are going to just continue on the path that you're on, you're not neutral. You're actually moving away from where you want to go. You're actually moving the opposite direction. And everything in your future life will be harder if you continue to wait. And instead, we should be asking ourselves now, listen, I'm not married, but how can I be a better spouse when I am? I'm not a parent. How can I be a better parent now? Like the best time to read parenting books is not when you have kids. The best time to read a parenting book is right now. The best time to talk, think about marriage and listen to talks is not when you're married, it's to do it right now. The best time to be a better employee or a better boss and read leadership books is not later on in your life. When you have something happen, it's right now. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it says, those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. Like that when I moment... Listen, when you wait for that to happen, never plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud will never harvest crops. You don't know where the wind will blow. You don't know how a baby grows inside a mother. In the same way, you don't know what God is doing or how he created everything. Plant early in the morning and work work until evening because you don't know if this or that will succeed. They, They might both do well. In other words, what he's saying is don't wait. Don't wait until something happens don't live a when i then i life do it now get better now figure it out now fix it now this is the best time of your life to do what you know you need to do so my question for you if we were having coffee and we were hanging out i would ask you where are you living wrong waiting for something to cause you to live right what's that thing where are you living wrong you know it's wrong and you're waiting yeah yeah i'll change when no 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 What's that area? I I believe that right now is the perfect time for you to change it. And if I could shout back to myself, I would look myself in the eye and say, Mike, change it now. The second thing is, is create a strategy to pick the right person. Create a strategy to pick the right person. Um, Is anybody else good at picking the wrong person? Like, I could teach a class about this, okay? I, I don't know what this is. Well, I know what this is. I grew up in a home where, where my parents yelled all the time. So guess what kind of girl I was attracted to? The type of girl who yelled all the time, okay? I was attracted to, and, and none of you are like this, ladies, but I was attracted to crazy. Like, that was my flow because I grew up with crazy, okay? You will be attracted to what you grew up with. And honestly, if you don't change it, like if you say, I'm never going to marry someone like my mom or marry someone like my dad, if you don't intentionally create a strategy, you will be attracted to what is normal for you. And what is normal is what you grew up with. And there are people, I'm telling you, as a pastor now for 20 years, I've seen people all the time who, are, who have replicated what they grew up with even though they swore they would never do it. Because we have to create 
a strategy. We have to create a strategy um, uh, for us to have a different relationship uh, and, and so that we can end up with the right person. There's a strategy behind it. Uh, for me, um, I, I, I've been married now for 17 years, but before I was married to my wife, I was engaged to a girl uh, for about six months. And we were engaged, and she was. She, she was the epitome of what I didn't want to end up with, but it was just normal to me. And I remember I got in a fight with her one time, and this actually happened a lot of times. We get into a fight, she'd leave, storm off, drive away, take off. Five minutes later, she'd call me. Mike, there are these guys, they're following me. I'm like, what do you mean they're following you? Like, I think they're trying to do something, they're following me. I'm like, okay, come back to the house. Again, I'm 21 or 22, whatever I was. I'd grab a bat, I'd walk outside. I'm like, I'm ready, where are these guys at? And then she'd pull up and be like, yeah, they... They left like two blocks away. And no joke, this probably happened a dozen times. And I thought to myself, poor girls. Girls must get followed all the time. <laughs> she was a liar. <laughs> she, just, she just said that all the time. Like it was just her flow, okay? That's it. And, and I realized that when she and I broke up because I was engaged to her, I realized, hey, I'm not good at picking. Okay, let me say this to, you, to most of you. You're not good at picking. You know how I know that? Think about the last person you dated. You're not good at picking, okay? And if you're not good at picking, you need a strategy to be better at picking, okay? So let me tell you, let me tell you, let me give you a start for this. Like, if you're not good at picking, let me tell you three things to do. The first thing is, write down a list of what you want. Write down a list of what you want. What do you want? I still, I still have the paper that I wrote down to determine that my wife was the right person for me. I wrote down everything. I, I don't remember all, all of them, but my friends would come to me and go, hey, what are you looking for? I said, listen, I don't have a whole list of 15, but let me give you the top three. She's got to love God. Like, that's a big deal. She's got to love people because I'm a pastor and she can't be annoyed with people. And she has to be, oh my gosh, hot. <laughs> Which means when you see here, you go, oh my gosh, she's hot. Okay, nailed it. If you met my wife, nailed it. Okay, I don't know what your list is, but you gotta sit down and write down what do you want her to do? Because, and I've just seen this a bunch, especially for people in their 20s, this is not new for your generation, this is true for my generation. Everyone in this environment will go, you know what? They have gotta love Jesus. <laughs> and then you meet them on the beach or in the gym, and you're like, well, I mean, they, they don't really love Jesus, but look at her, and look at, like, like that's, and it was like, yeah, I, like they think that God exists, and it's amazing how much there's compromise. You gotta write down, and the second thing is, and this is the key, you gotta share it with some close people to you. You gotta share it with some people that when you don't follow the list that you chose, they will sit you down and go, look at the list. That person doesn't do this. This person is not living this way. They, here's, here's the phrase I use. They have to be willing to put the friend put you above the friendship. You may get mad, you may leave our friendship, but I believe you're more important than our relationship, okay? You gotta make a list, you gotta give it to them, and then when you start dating, when you decide we're gonna date, you gotta get around those people and you have to ask them, does this person reflect who I said I wanted to be with, okay? When, when Leanne and I, my wife and I started dating, that was it, I made a list. And then we'd go on a double date, and with a couple, some people that are close to me. And then the next day, I'd sit down with that couple and go, all right, tell me the truth. Is she the right one? Okay, and, and I'm telling you, if, if they would have said no, 
I gave them veto power. Does anybody have veto power in your life? Does anybody? There have to be some people that can speak for us. In Proverbs chapter 15, it says, plans fail for lack of what? For lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. If you want to have a successful relationship, you have to have some advisors, some wise counsel around you to help you. Proverbs 19 says, listen to advice, accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. And there are a lot of people, I'm telling you, that are married now that wish they could have gone back and listened to wise counsel because they they don't feel wise. They feel like a fool for taking this step. Do you have a strategy for picking the right person? The third thing is, if I could shout back to myself in my 20s, the third thing I would say is, focus on who you are more than what you do. And the reason why is, in your age, it's so easy to focus on getting someone or getting a job or becoming more and doing, 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 doing. I'm telling you right now is the best time in your life to go, all right, I'm going to actually look internally and ask God, God, what do you want to do inside of me? Like, this is the moment. In fact, there's a phrase that I've said before. It's, it's, if God is not giving you what you want on the inside, it's because he's not done doing a work on the inside, or on the outside. He's not done doing a work on the inside. If he's not doing what he needs to do out here, it's because God still wants to do a work in here. Okay? In Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And this is a great season to ask yourself, and I would just encourage you, and I would shout back to myself, look at what's coming out of you. Is it anger? Is there jealousy? Is there shame? Is it fear? Are you insecure? Do you have guilt? Like, you walk in a room, what do you feel? Is there someone that when you see, you just feel a certain way about them? Like, are there things coming out of you? And I would encourage you in this season, don't, don't let those emotions, don't blame other people for those emotions. They just make me mad. No, 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 no. That anger's coming from a deep place. They just make me feel jealous. No, 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 a deep place. Oh, that type of car, I just want that. No, 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 that, that's a deep place. And this season, this is the best season. And I'm telling you, if you work on what's going on in the inside, God will take care of the outside. And in this season of your life, I I would shout back to myself, Mike, don't worry so much about what's out here. God's got all of this. And this season, work on in here. Because everything you do flows from it, which means the type of husband you'll be and the wife you'll be and the parent you'll be and the grandparent and the friend and the Christ follower, that all has to do with what's in here. So in this season, focus more on who you are than what you do. And then the fourth, fourth thing I would say, I would shout back to myself, if I could shout back to myself, is I would say master your daily life. Master what you do daily. Uh, John Maxwell uh, says the secret to your success is found in your daily routine. In your daily routine. If you want to look at successful people, and if you want to be successful in any area, you have to build certain habits into your day to be successful. 
Um, I know this is true. The reason why is, so, so my wife is a, she's a personal trainer, and she is like the cleanest eater on the planet. Like, she just eats clean. She exercises every day. Like, that's kind of her flow. And so one of our habits and one of our hobbies is we try all of these fad diets that come out. Like, keto, anybody done keto? Yeah, it didn't work. Anybody, paleo, we did paleo. Vegan, we've done vegan. Like, we've done everything. And it's amazing because after about three days of doing any of these diets, only three days, I'm like, sweetie, where's my six-pack? Like, I've been doing this three days, super strict. Like, where is that? You know why? Because it's not just going to happen in a fad diet. Like, it's not going to happen in a short amount of time. The success you want in any area of your life is going to come when you decide that every single day that you're going to plan your day. Um, In Colossians chapter 3, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. There's a component of going, hey, I am going to discipline my life, and every single day I'm going to plan it out. Um, and, and I would say this, part of your daily life has got to be time with Jesus. And I know we're in a church, and I know this is like, of course I'm going to say that, but I'm telling you, there is no better time in your life to figure out that dynamic, to figure out, like, read the Bible but get something out of it, pray and actually feel like you're connecting with God. Like, this is your time to do it, and the only way to actually feel that connection is decide to do it daily. And, and to figure out daily. There's a lot of tools, a lot of tools here, a lot of things that we're doing, but I encourage you, this is your time to figure out that spiritual aspect. Um, time with Jesus. This is a time to work out. I don't have time. Hey, you have got time, okay? In this season, you probably have time. Uh, time with Jesus, working out, eating well, sleeping well, reading, growing intellectually. Like, if you can, in this season, decide that every single day, I'm gonna get better spiritually, physically, and intellectually, and maybe emotionally too in there, but if you can decide every day I'm going to add these in, then every day you're going to grow over time. So master your daily life. What does your daily schedule need to look like to be better? (laughs) And I would say this, for some of us, let's just be honest, some of us, one of the best things you could do, I'm going to say something you're not going to like, you ready? One of the best things you can do is plug your phone in the other room at night. Go read a book, okay? And don't stay up for two hours living your life watching other people's stories. Don't do it that way, okay? Doesn't lead to anything good, okay? Doesn't lead to anything. Fellas, fellas, okay? Shut the phones off at 9 p.m. Nothing you're going to look at on your phone over 9 p.m. doesn't lead to a trail to something, okay? It's just not wise. Just plug it in the other room, shut it off, go read a book, Go to bed, go to bed. And this is from a guy who goes to bed at like 9.30. So I know you're not in that season right now. So um, I wake up early, so I go to bed early. But you got to pick a bedtime. You got to go to bed. Um, and don't stay on your phone all the time. You're, it just does, it's not productive. The fifth thing is, now we're almost done. We've only got six. The fifth thing is that I would shout back to myself and say, Mike, view your money and your time as an investment. It's not just something you spend. You don't spend money and spend time You invest money, and you invest your time. And I would encourage you in this season to invest your money. And here's the two places. Get with a financial advisor. Okay, this is very practical. And if you're like, well, Mike, I don't really make enough money. Don't worry. Still talk to a financial advisor. Have them help you through this. Okay, that's a big deal. Invest somewhere. Even if it's $10 a week or $10 a month, just start the process because once you get in the habit, it's easier to do over a long period of time. Talk to a financial advisor, okay? They'll talk to you. You need to figure that out. The second area to invest your money, and I would encourage you to do this, I encourage you to invest on a spiritual level. 
Okay? One of the best disciplines spiritually I believe you can do is to begin the, get, the, the act of giving. It's one of the best investments. You are investing into the kingdom of God, and I'd encourage you to do it. And here's why I think it's so big. So I'll just tell you guys, because again, I'll just tell you in the season, one of the best reasons why you should give is because when you give, you're like, God, I don't really have the money. I don't really feel like I can do this. I'm not really sure. That act of God, I'm going to do something and I'm not sure how it's going to work out is the perfect scenario for God to move. That's why we give, okay? We give and we watch God move through that giving. It grows your faith like crazy. I'm telling you, if you feel feel stuck in your faith, I'm telling you, one of the best ways to get unstuck is to begin that act of giving. It'll unstick you in your faith. Um, Invest your money. Also, invest your time. Invest your time. See your time as an investment. Where can you spend your time where you will have the greatest impact? Okay? I think it's important to invest in yourself, like I said, spiritually, physically, intellectually, but also, where can you serve? Where can you give of yourself? Where can you invest in others? Ask yourself that question. If you spent two hours this week serving somewhere, where would you have the greatest impact? Go serve there. Go serve there. Uh, Of course, I, as a pastor at this church, would think, Grace Family Church, but okay, serve here, serve anywhere, but just invest your time. If you can see your money and your time as an investment, I'm telling you, that will help set you up for the future. All right, number six. We're, we're moving through this, right? Number six, and this is the last one. Be confident in who God has made you. Now, when I was in 10th grade, I've always been a joker. Like, that's kind of my, like, if we ever hang out, well, I may not be that sarcastic with you because, again, I'm realizing now I'm like your dad's age, but, but I'm a pretty sarcastic guy. And I remember when I was in 10th grade, I was being sarcastic with this new kid. I was joking around, and this girl, two seats up, flipped around in her chair in high school. And she goes, don't worry about him. He's just stupid. And it was weird, and I don't know why this happened, but when she said he's just stupid, it stuck with me. And every time I joked, I'd think to myself, that's just stupid. Every time I'd clown around or do anything in my head, I'd think, that's just stupid. And, I, and I, I lived with this whole idea of, I don't know why God made me this way or why I am this way. And I tried not to joke around. I tried not to be sarcastic. I tried not to be that way. But every time I would, I think, oh, it's just dumb. Oh, it's just dumb. Oh, it's just dumb. And I was probably in my early 20s. And I had a friend of mine go, hey, man, you're so funny. And I said to him, I said, well, it's kind of just stupid humor. And he goes, Mike, hey, Mike, look at me. It's not stupid humor. He said, Mike, you, you're one of the funniest guys I've ever met. That's not true for any of you, but it was true for him. And I don't know what it was. In the same way that when she called me stupid, that thing sat on me. When he said, you're not stupid, you're funny, it broke. And I believe that for some of us, someone spoke something over you. Someone said something to you. Someone called you stupid or called you ugly. And they said you weren't good enough. And they said you were thick. They said you weren't smart. They said you weren't going to amount to anything. And, and, and for some reason, that one just stuck with you. And this season, one of the best things you can do is realize the personality that you have, where you're at in your life right now, not that we can't all be better, but God doesn't mess up. 
God doesn't make a mistake. In, in 1 Peter 2.9, and Pastor Mark read this last week, it says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people. You're not a chosen people. You are a chosen person. That God chose you as an individual and said, hey, you're not a mess up and you're not a mess, but I have created you to be my child. And as my child, even though there may be differences and there may be quirks and there may be things that are you know a little bit different about you, that even though you may be different. You're not a mess up and he didn't mess up. And I would just say this, if you're at a place where you're a little bit insecure about who you are or what you look like or how you feel or your personality and how that fits into everything, I believe that God would say to you, you're not a mess up. You're not a mess up. You are God's chosen person and he has a purpose for you. He has a calling for you. Okay. And and let me just say this, because I have two kids and they are incredibly different. Okay? My one son, incredibly competitive, super serious, and just like all the time. My other son, introverted, super funny, as different as they can be. And they're both amazing kids. And you may be different than someone around you. You may be different than people you see. But, but your heavenly father is so proud of you. And so glad you're his kid. And I believe in this season, where you're at, I think one of the best things you can do is decide to not live with that thing anymore. So what's that word? What's the word that was spoken over you? Because I wanna, I wanna pray for you, and maybe this isn't true for all of us, but what's that thing that holds you back, that view of yourself that you hold on to? I believe God wants to release some of us from that word tonight, so I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about what that word is. And I want you to, I want you to actually think about holding that word in your hand, whatever that word is, and I want you to close your hand on it. And hold your hand in a fist like you're holding on to that word if it's stupid, if it's not good enough, if it's not worthy, if it's not smart. Like whatever that word is for you, I want you to hold on to that word. And I'm gonna pray that God releases that thing from you and pray that God's gonna just completely today break that thing free from you. And Father, right now, as we hold on to this word, God, we know that this word that we've believed in, we bought into, that God, you have more for us and this is not truth. God, it is your truth who sets us free. God, you are the one who sets us free. And God, we don't wanna live believing in a lie. We don't wanna live believing that we are a lie. If there's a word that was spoken over us and in Jesus' name, I pray that that word be broken. Come on, lift your hand, open your hand right now. Father, we open our hands and we say, God, we choose not to believe this anymore. We choose to believe in your truth and your word, that we are children of God, that you have made us, you have formed us, that we are your chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, that we are your children, that you love, that you you have created, that you believe so much in us. And right now, we open up these hands and say, God, we are free of that in Jesus' name. God, right now, we pray that you would help us to walk in that freedom every single day. God, help us, and I pray for this generation that you would help us to continue to adult well. And Jesus, right now, help us to hear your truth and your voice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you.